ओम नमो भगवते
Bhuvipura Punya Tirta Sadanam Vishayo Vimaddas Tadduta Bhavapadam Bhujaritokna Vidangri Jala Dadati Sakim Manastai Yat Mani Nitya Sukhe Dadati Sakim Manastai Purusha Sara Paravasatta Bhuvi Puru Punya Tirta Sadhanam Yashayovi Maddas Bhuvi Dadati Sakrin Manastai Yatat Mani Nitya Sukhe Dadati Sakrin Manastai Yatat Destroys. Destroys. Angry. Angry, having bathed to his feet, 
Jala, the water, the dati, turned Sakrit, even once, Manaha, their minds, Pai, or Jew, Ye, who, Atmani, toward the Supreme Soul, Nitya, always, Sukhe, who is happy, Napunaha, never again, Vasate, they worship, Purusha, of a man, Sara, the essential qualities, Para, which steal away, Avasatam, their mundane homes. Translation Sages, free from false pride, live on this earth by frequenting the sacred pilgrimage sites and those places where the Supreme Lord displays his pastimes. Because such devotees keep your lotus feet within their hearts, the water that washes their feet destroys all sins. Anyone who ever once turns his mind toward you, the ever-blissful soul of all existence, no longer dedicates himself to serving family life at home, but simply robs a man of his good qualities. Purport short, so I just read it to me. The qualification of an aspiring sage is that he has learned about the absolute truth from standard authorities and developed a sober mood of renunciation. To develop his capacity for discriminating the important from the unimportant, such a person often wanders from one holy site to another, taking advantage of the association of great souls who frequent or reside in these places. If, in the course of his travels, the aspiring sage can began to realize the Supreme Lord's lotus feet in the core of his heart, he will be released from the illusion of false ego and from the painful bondage of lust, envy, and greed. Though he may still go to places of pilgrimage to bathe away his sins, the now purified sage has the power to sanctify others with the water that washes his feet and with realized instructions he imparts. Such a sage is described in the Murtaka Upanishad 229. The knot in the heart is pierced and all misgivings are cut to pieces and the chain of fruitive action is terminated when one sees the Lord everywhere within all superior and inferior beings. To sages who have reached this stage, the Mundaka Upanishad 3.2.11 thus pays homage Namaha 
Paramarshi Biyaha. Paramarshi Biyaha. Namaha Paramarshi Biyaha. Twice. <laughs> obeisances to the topmost sages, obeisances to the topmost sages. Putting aside the <coughs> excuse me, putting aside the affectionate company of wives, children, friends, and followers, Saintly Vaishnavas travel to the holy dhams where the Supreme Lord's worship can be most successfully prosecuted. Places such as Vrindavan, Mayapur, Jagannath Puri, or anywhere else where sincere devotees of Lord Vishnu congregate. Even those Vaishnavas who have not taken sannyas and still live at home or in their guru's ashram, but who have once tasted just a drop of the sublime pleasure of devotional service, will also have little inclination to meditate on the pleasures of a materialistic family life, which robs a person of his discretion, determination, sobriety, tolerance, and Peace of mind. Srila Sridhar Swami prays. Uh, this is where we have all these heavy syllables together. Munchanangata dhanga sangam anisham tvam eva sanchintayam satasanti yato yato gatamatastan ashramam avasam. Nityam tan mukapakajat digalita tvat punya gatam mitta ashutta samblava samblito narahare nasham aham dehavrit. My dear Lord, when I give up all sense gratification and engage incessantly in meditating upon you, which and when I take up the residence in the hermitages of saintly devotees, free from false pride, then I will become fully immersed in the inundations, inundation of nectar pouring from the devotees' lotus mouth as they chant sacred narrations about you. And then, O Lord Narahari, I will never again have to take a material body. Maum Vishnu Padaya Krishna Staya Bhutalesh Mati Bhakti Padanda Swaminiti Ramani Namaste Sarasapte Deve Gauravari Pacharani Vishesa Sunyavari Pacharsade Sitarani So it began, sages freed from false pride live on this earth by frequenting the sacred places, sacred pilgrimage sites, and those places where the Supreme Lord displays his pastimes. This is the sages, the, uh, you see in the first line there if you have the text, sages Rishayaha, Rishis in the plural, Rishayaha, who are uh, free from false pride, Vimada, Mada, here is, well, generally craziness, but intoxication, but also pride, these are all dictionary definitions. And Vimada means extreme pride. I don't understand why they'll say some so many times false pride, as though there's a true pride or something. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, free from pride. 
extreme crime. Uh, they live on this earth, Bouvi, uh, the first word in the, they live on, they live on this earth, and this is how they live. Puru uh, Punya Tirtha Sadanani. They live on this earth. Uh, those places which are very pious, Puru means great, so greatly Punya, you know, Tirtha uh, is usually the place of pilgrimage. The word Tirtha literally means a ford, a ford on the river, and then it's taken to be uh, where you can place a crossing place between the material and the spiritual world. Uh, and then the other word here is sadhanani. Uh, sadhanani means place to live. So here they say personal abodes of the Lord. Uh, so those are uh, those places they live with the Supreme Lord, as they say in the translation, displayed his pastimes, places of his descent, Vrindavan. Uh, 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 those are his places, uh, uh, um, and they're also places of pilgrimage. So that's see. This verse is about two different places to live. <laughs> so the one is those who live in the places where the Lord lived, and the others are those who are entangled in uh, mundane life in their uh, secular homes. Uh, Uh, so those uh, those uh, sages, uh, uh, it says, uh, those sages, uh, they, uh, uh, it's a little complicated, but they, they, they Bhavat Pada Ambuja Hrida, uh, who keep your feet, Bhavat is a polite form of you, your feet, which are Ambuja, lotus feet, in their hearts. Uh, uh, and those people, their feet, so there's the Lord's feet, lotus uh, pada, and then there's the Angri, the feet of the sages. <laughs> there's two sets of feet in this this big, long Sanskrit word. Uh, 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 those people who keep the Lord's lotus feet in their heart, uh, 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 then uh, uh, one who uh, one who the water. Yeah, the jala, uh, the jala which, angry jala. Uh, this is a compound you see that the, the 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 water which has bathed the feet of those sages, right? You see sometimes in the Gaudiya Mat literature, they translate English. They 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 talk about the foot water, <laughs> the foot water of so and so, meaning the Sanskrit compound angry jala. Uh, foot, the water that has bathed the feet, uh, foot water, <laughs> they call it. 
that destroys sins. So those people who have the Lord's feet in their heart, the water that bathes their feet, destroys sins. That's a, uh, that's a, because such they have make, because such devotees keep your lotus feet in their hearts, the water that washes their feet destroys all sin. Uh, and then this uh, sort of astonishing claim: claim uh, uh, anyone. Uh, 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 that if he turns their mind toward you, Sakrit, just once, one time, they do do once, they turn their mind toward Krishna, uh, uh, toward you who are, uh, they, 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 they describe him as the ever blissful soul of all existence. He is the Atmani. The word Atma, which is just the self. And so the self can, you can, you know, in Sanskrit, it can be the body, it can be the mind, it can be the soul, it can be the super soul, it can be the Lord of the whole of the universe, you know, I mean, like, goes all over the place. Uh, so to him, this, this supreme soul who has his Nitya Sukhya, always have. So that person, uh, again, or these people, and they're talking about that person, never dedicates to serving Upasate. Yeah, in, in the word for word they say worship, but you know, devote yourself to. Uh, Avasatan, this is another idea of word for uh, Avasatan. Avasatam. Uh, uh, yeah, that's your your your, your dwelling place, uh, and that do, that dwelling place, Hara, Sara, Hara, Sara, Hara. Sara means essence, uh, and Hara means steals. It robs your essence. <laughs> it sucks you dry. <laughs> Who live in this place? So the two two places where where those sages are uh, go there, and you go there to those places where the Lord lives, and those sages pilgrimages. uh, uh, All your sins go away, Uh, uh, and uh, but even if you're not that, even if you're somebody else, but just if you just once. Turn your mind toward the Lord, uh, uh, you will lose your taste for dedicating yourself. Uh, they say just once. This was, would seem to be, it's not like instant transportation, the rapture comes and rise to heaven like that, but, but uh, uh, you, uh, you somehow or other uh, get on the path and. Uh, Go along. Uh, uh, so here in the, in the purport, there's, they talk about these two kinds of two kinds of groups of, uh, of, of, of people. Uh, uh, the tirthas, uh, and, and of course, uh, we we count a temple as a tirtha. 
Prabhupada has made these tirthas all over the place, the embassies of the spiritual world, uh, where presumably there are not mundane sense gratificatory activities going on. We try anyway. Uh, uh, to see that that happens, so you can, you can, you can, uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, Prabhupada himself told the householders to turn their pla- their houses into places of pilgrimage, into places of zones of the Lord also. Uh, 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 the, 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 the normal uh, Vedic model is one is in householder life for so many years uh, and then doing those very important things like making money, having uh, lots of children, uh, displaying your prestige in society by having very expensive weddings for them uh, and all, all different things like that and uh, uh, making up wealth you can give to everybody and becoming important and all this stuff. And then you're supposed to walk away from it while you have a lot of time left. That's, that's the model. You just turn on a dime, practically, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and leave all that behind. Uh, and so there was always this, this separation. There's the karma kanda section of the Vedas for those people, so at least their material lives are pious, so they can be open to renunciation, and then they uh, then they dedicate themselves to spiritual life. They go to the forest, they become sannyasis, and uh, and so on, uh, uh, like that. The idea, the, the revolutionary thing uh, in in bhakti is that well. Krishna is telling in the Bhagavad Gita, you can become my devotee right here on the battlefield. That you can you can actually take your whole life and all your ordinary activities and do them so that I may enjoy your fruits, and then you can be liberated under your condition. wait for that. And, uh, because, because it's a powerful process. Uh, so, and in the other process there's a kind of an assumption that this, the, the senses are made for enjoyment and then for spiritual life you renounce the senses. Uh, where the definition of bhakti is rishikesha sevanam rishikesha rishikena sevanam engaging the senses in the service of the master of the senses. That's the definition of bhakti. And so the senses themselves, which were formerly, hopefully formerly, the cause of our bondage, those same senses engaged in Krishna service become the cause of our liberation. Uh, and uh, 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 that's the... Uh, yeah, the senses are rejected, they're engaged. After all, where do our senses come from? They come from Krishna. Krishna is a person. Uh, and uh, 
To say that the absolute truth is a person is to say that the absolute truth has senses. This is a very nice and precise definition. What is it is to be a person? You have senses. And by, by, by senses, they mean two kinds of instruments. Instruments for uh, perceiving the world, uh, so therefore the instruments of vision, the instruments of, of, of smell, the instruments of taste, and the instruments of touch, <coughs> the instruments of hearing. So in these different ways, you, you can be related to a world. And you can act back on the world with your what Hamlet called your pickers and stealers, but they don't have to be pickers and stealers anymore. <laughs> they can, they can, uh, they, they are your, your, your hands, your instruments of manipulation, and your feet and legs, instruments of locomotion. Uh, then there's the tongue, which is both. It both is a, a, a indriya uh, and a karmindriya, an instrument of perception, of taste, and then of speech, the tongue together with the other vocal apparatus. And then the other two that are included in the karmindri are the instruments of reproduction and evacuation of waste. Now these are, these are, the, uh, these, these, are the, 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 these instruments. The sense, those are, when they say senses, they mean those. So, so the, the, these things are there in Krishna. He has these senses. Uh, he has form. So when there is, he has padambuja, uh, 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 as they always say, lotus feet, padambuja, feet that are soft or as fragrant as or whatever, as lotuses, padambuja. Right? He has feet. And there's an interesting image here in this verse that there are people and those feet are in their hearts, like, like a treasure or something. They are always worshipping those feet. And then the water that bathes their feet, that washes their feet, also becomes potent because Krishna's feet are in their heart. Kind of interesting. There's two sets of feet here. And, and, uh, and, and, and so Therefore, that idea you sprinkled that water, that, that water on your, your head is purified. Uh, uh, so this is the idea of, of God as a, a person. He has feet and all those things. Uh, 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 yes. The reason we have to insist on it because, of course, it's been denied that God is a person. God is an individual person. would be limited, but God is unlimited. If it can't be a person. And we get accused of being, you know, the word anthropomorphic. That you imagine God in the form of a human. And also zoomorphic in the form of animals. <laughs> uh, uh, 
So, so the, this, the, 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 so this is the idea that we project this onto something that is beyond our limited uh, material concepts, and so therefore God cannot be a person because He would be uh, limited uh, by that. Uh, even uh, I gave a lecture, I quoted this supposedly Lutheran theologian Paul Tillich. It was a university of Chicago, pretty dominant in the discourse in America in the 60s and 50s. And anyway, he just preached straight Mayabach philosophy. This is a Lutheran minister, you know, but he's straight, straight on Mayabach philosophy. And he said that God cannot be the supreme being. among all beings, because he would be one being among many, and therefore limited. So he can't be the supreme being because of limited. He'd be one being among many, right? Because there's a limit. There's God and there's the not God, right? That put, they put, there's a border. There's a border. So he says, therefore, God is being itself, capital B, capital I, being itself. And then after he thought about that for another couple of decades, he decided that that was too limiting, and he must be not being, but the ground of being. <coughs> And then we get as close to nothing as possible, and then we completely glorify God by saying He's nothing. And I have read books of this kind of theology where they have nothing with a capital N, the divine nothing. Well, that puts Him in His place in a way, you know. I think God is just energy, they say. And I've heard it, you know. Well, you got that word just there, you know? You know, like something like, you know, you can use to run your machines and things like just energy, just energy. So they see that they're coming to some higher conception, but you find out they come down to like nothing at all. Uh, so, so Krishna has a form. But he, even his divine forms, look at them. Look at we got look at he's a crowd in himself. Huh? You just look, look at look on our altar, you know. He's he's got a whole bunch of forms there, and that's not the half of it, you know. It's <laughs> like many, many forms. Many, many forms. Many because his personality is is great. He has many forms. In an ordinary human being, has many forms sequentially. They have, depending on their different relationships, a person at home is one way among a family and children, another way at work among colleagues, another way out, uh, you know, paddling in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the canal or the river or riding bicycles with friends, you know, they have so many different relationships. 
uh, and in each relationship they wear different kinds of clothes and have a different aspect of one's personality. Uh, and of course we have to do it sequentially, but Krishna can do it all together. That's great. There's so many forms. When Krishna became a, a king, yeah, he, he, he was a king. Uh, he had uh, 16,000 uh, queens, uh, but he lived simultaneously in each of their palaces with each one. It wasn't that he had to commute from one to the next, to the next, to the next. He was there all the time for all of them. Now you're starting to talk about somebody impressive. Why don't they like that? Because I'm not that. I'm not that. And so the subtle thing is, let's not have, makes me nervous to have somebody like that, that I can't compete with. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's what happens. So one has to, um, anyway, the, the idea that God is a person uh, uh, is not a small thing at all. So, uh, so many forms, and what looks like not God, that is to say, his energy, is himself again in another form. Yes, there's, there, there's God the person as environment, but his environment is himself. Those are his own energies. So there's nothing but Krishna, yet nothing is Krishna except his own primordial personality. So this is a much this is a much higher conception to somebody's idea of God as some demigod or something uh, like a person you know who's, who's, who's limited by bigger environment somehow or, other. or like the divine nothing you wipe everything off the map and say yeah that's everything is nothing uh, this is the this is the this is the real idea. And as far as I know, there's no spiritual literature anywhere in the world that comes anywhere close to this misunderstanding. Christians work their way up to three persons. <laughs> so at least there's an idea of some kind of internal relationships that are spiritual and different aspects. But... Uh, but uh, here, here, here's the the, the, the uh, real, real greatness in here, and so this is what the Upanishads are glorifying that Lord, and, and it, it is uh, esoteric knowledge. I mean, because many people read the Upanishads and they don't get this part, uh, or they find a way to discount. Uh, what the Upanishads actually say. The, 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 the study of the philosophy of the Upanishads is called Vedanta. Uh, and Vyasadeva codified that in little terse uh, sentences called sutras. Well, they strung them together. Sutra means the thread, so then there is a thread of these compiled and pressed. That was the Sanskrit way of doing it. Even grammar is done that way. There's sutras. You take the information and you compress it. Make it. A, they, they, they say a grammarian 
if, if a, the day a grammarian <coughs> saves a syllable, he rejoices as though it was the birth of a son. <laughs> That's the saying, you know, they really, that was the idea. Now, the, the idea that compression was not for its own sake, but so because everything was memorized. Uh, every, every, it was a big deal so, so to, 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 to be able to have your library in your head. Uh, it's, a, it's a hassle to carry around books. And, and of course, now we have printing and everything, but you know, when, when Mahaprabhu found, found the Brahma Samhita, he had it copied so he could take it back. Uh, this is what you have to do. Somebody is sitting in so it's like people uh, learned it in their heads. Uh, and to keep your whole thing in your head. Now, of course, we have hard drives and no one needs to have a memory anymore. And, uh, there's not even hard drives, that's even obsolete. You know, cloud storage and you know, everything's digital. That's, by the way, sutras also. You know. <laughs> when they write computer code, you're just like these grammarians. That's why all of these Brahmins, uh, from Brahmin families in India now, that's, they get to go to college, that's what they study, programming, because it's the same tech to compress your information. <laughs> So, so anyway, the, 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 these, these sutras were, were not easily... The other thing was to keep it secret because knowledge is power and you didn't want unqualified people to get a hold of it. So also you had to be initiated, you know, you had to be invited to join, you had to be qualified, you had to pass tests and then you could have this knowledge. Just like today, the military got weapons, they don't let anybody have access to them. We hope. So anyway, this is so the same way. This the, the, the sutras are not easily understandable by everybody, and therefore they need a commentary to be able to uh, express them. So the Vedanta Sutra was done by Vyasadeva, but then when Shankaracharya came, he found a way to to, to give an interpretation of them that made it seem that, yeah, that impersonal is a way of speaking, but the real high, the real is impersonal, because he's both personal and impersonal. That's the truth. Both ways are true. Both are there. But he subordinated the personal to the impersonal. Uh, the personal is when you're looking at the absolute truth through the veil of maya, then it's a person. But when all maya is gone, then it's impersonal. Then that was his interpretation. And then, of course, the Vaishnava Acharyas, no, the, the person is supreme and the impersonal is subordinate. Uh, and, uh, and so, therefore, there's a dispute. Although, I, uh, let me, uh, we're going beyond, but th there was an uh, uh, interesting thing that happened. There was a, this uh, uh, German scholar, Max Müller, made this library, The Sacred Books of the East. And he commissioned people to translate Shankaracharya, Ramanujacharya, make the, these commentaries on the Vedanta Sutra. So the fellow that translated uh, uh, 
Ramanuja's commentary into, into, into I guess, originally German and English. Uh, I, have, I have the book, he translated his commentary. Ramanuja's commentary. And, and in the introduction to the, to the book, he, he says that, uh, that uh, the, when you read Ramanuja's commentary, it, it's really the most efficient and, and seamless way of understanding the Upanishads. When Shankaracharya does them, he really has to, you know, and we say you scratch your nose this way, you know, he really has to put himself through contortions and really take the, the verses out of sequence and all this stuff to make his thing. But if you look, use Ramanuja's uh, uh, commentary, it's much more natural. And he said it. He written it. And then in, this, in the second edition, he had some remarks, well, having written it, he said, I got, I, I, I got deluged with letters from people objecting to my statement. They said that these letters were all philosophical, making a philosophical case that the impersonal is higher than the personal. And he said, but my point wasn't philosophical. My point was just about what the text said. <laughs> he said, they ignored it. And I still feel that way that Ramanuja makes much better natural understanding of the Upanishads than, than Shankaracharya. So there, that was like a kind of a neutral guy, you know, not advocating any religion or anything like we do, you know, and biased or anything. That was, that was his take on it. So I always appreciated that. So this is the, the absolute truth as a person. And here in the Bhagavatam, the shrutas are saying it outright. <laughs> Any questions or comments? Mm-hmm. Now we have big plates coming down here. I was wondering, what, what's the religion, from, from what you've seen or studied, what's the religion that's closest to ours in terms of like knowledge, or close to how far they've come? You know, if you were giving an example of Christianity, how they've come to know those three things, but yeah. what's the closest, you'd say? Well, that, that way they are. I, I would say that in every major religious tradition, that's been practiced by human beings for a long time, uh, and that they all somewhere along the line have some group of people who discover uh, things like austerity and uh, more than just conventional regulation of the senses, who really do seek some kind of direct, more direct contact and uh, interaction with God. Uh, in those, uh, you, you find this division uh, that, that's quite explicit in, in Prabhupada's commentaries of this karma, jnana, and bhakti, the karma-kanda, materialistic religion as a regulated sense gratification, uh, jnana, where the kind of uh, negative, uh, in, in the Greeks had it, the Christians, they call it, 
uh, apathetic theology, a negative theology, via, via negativa. Uh, this idea is there. Uh, you, even, even Islam has it. Although they claim it's been influenced by Hinduism, like the Sufis and stuff like that. But uh, there, there is, uh, you know, this, this, this negative. And then there's a bhakti strand. There's a bhakti strand. Now, what you find in most religions is there's a kind of a mixture of all three. And so you see bhakti, like even in Vishnu Jakavarti Thakur says, when people in the Vedas perform karma, karma sacrifice, because Vishnu's name is mentioned among the gods, there is a tinge of bhakti. So think of them as three strands and they're all kind of woven together. And now prayer to the six Goswamis. And the Vedas are the same way. It's rich and, and, and but what, the, what the six Goswamis did uh, under the direction of Mahaprabhu, they dissected out pure bhakti. This is pure bhakti. But that definition... Jnana Karmadi Anavritam, free from Jnana and Karma. And I, if you see that in our tradition, then you can go back. My way of thinking of dealing with committed Christians is get them to do that to their own faith. They could do the same way. Uh, Buddhist is a little hard, you know, their Buddha, or the Jnana, really predominates really big time. But there are Buddhists who worship Buddha. Uh, the Pure Land sect, and everything, did they come down to like, now, Buddha is a divinity, and they, they do bhakti as best they can. Uh, and the, the others think, yeah, yeah. That's, that's subordinate, you'll come to the real, you know, Satori or Enlightenment or whatever. But the, you talk to those Buddhists, they're not interested in that. They're interested in getting closer and closer. They have feelings toward Buddha, you know. Uh, uh, so anyway, I think you, 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 can, you can find, find all, 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 all three in any, any fairly mature religious tradition. Uh, you, you know, what you get taught depends on the circumstances. Because Christianity, you know, uh, if you read the Bible, the New Testament, you can see that Jesus is teaching bhakti. Uh, uh, but the way most Christianity is, is, is handed down to you is uh, uh, you, it's karma conduct. Uh, you you have regulated sense gratification, and, and God will bless you. He'll bless you in this life by making you rich. This is the gospel of prosperity. Uh, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll give you everything you need. This is a Protestant Calvinistic strain, really. Uh, uh, and you'll go to heaven when you die, and you'll get rewards there too. You'll be rewarded. You know, for not having murdered your brother-in-law when the guy needed killing, or <laughs> whatever it may be, you know, <laughs> get rewarded. That's that's how most people do. But you can find the same level, and of course, in India, every you know, 
students pouring into the Saraswati temples to pay to pray to pass their exams and you know, all, all that stuff is going on there. So, and you have to be careful when you look at different religions to 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 compare your own ideals with other people's actual practices. That's it's always a, a pitfall. Being my religion is best. Well, yeah. But but our definition, what religion is best? It didn't say Hinduism, Buddhism, you know. That religion is best by which you attain unadulterated love to the transcendent Lord. And it's free from karma and jnana. From any kind of any kind of selfish material or seemingly spiritual motive. A haituki is it's without any motive and apratiyata and without interruption. Wherever you find it, that's bhakti. That's what we look for. Otherwise, these other things are designations, you know, upadis. And bhakti is sarva upadi vinirmuktam, free from all these upadis. Designations. I'm a Christian. I'm a Hindu. I'm a... Okay. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know that verse. That religion that is best is the one that um, creates the love. Where is that from? Yeah, it's in the Bhagavatam. Using the magic, I don't remember the verse number. Huh? It's in the beginning. Survive Pum Sam Paro Dharmo. Type it in. Hmm? Maybe I have it easier here. Yeah. 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 What is it? What's the number? One two six. One two six. One two six. Okay. So so now I read the purple. Read the first purple. We better stop, huh? Otherwise, we're going to shovel our way out. <laughs> Shri Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.